Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Are you still relying on a frustrating patchwork of legacy solutions? Modernize your cybersecurity and data protection with a Cronus CyberProtect Cloud. It's a single solution that combines backup, anti-malware, and endpoint protection management. As an MSP, you can easily improve clients' security posture, eliminate complexity, and generate more recurring revenue. Learn more about Acronis CyberProtect Cloud at acronis.com. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. This is Carl Polichuk, and I'm with Tom Watson from Ninja RMM. Welcome, sir. Glad to be here. So you are the channel chief for Ninja. Uh, and before we get into what the hell is a channel chief, uh, let's talk real briefly about how you got here. Like, well, where, did, where did you come from? <laughs> great. Well, yeah, this is, this is exciting for me, Carl, because as we've gone on uh, live chat, you came on with us at Ninja and I talked about my kind of roots in doing managed services roll back to you. I was uh, what some would say a relatively early adopter of doing true managed services, contract-based. And I learned that by getting one of your books and then by attending one of your, I think it was a IT Nation pre-conference seminars, like the day before. And I got so much out of that, that I went home after that. And between the book and the material in person, I wrote a managed service agreement in the month following that, and I wrote a cost calculator. And interestingly <laughs> enough, those things are two of the top downloads on the Ninja RMM site. So- Well, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, and they, are, they are based on your teachings. And I, we were just musing before this, how, how cool it is that you're at a point where you kind of have a legacy of people that now I went and I used your teachings to create these great these great tools. I created a very strong managed services business out of it. I then sold that business. And now I now sit on the vendor side where I am a channel chief advisor for Ninja RMM. And in that role, I teach MSPs to some degree how to do some of these things. Not quite as in depth as you do, but I create a lot of content around it and try to point people in the right direction. Right. Well, and we have talked that, uh, you know, RMM to me is, is the, the, the first tool. It's literally like, how do, you be, how do you become an MSP? You start, obviously, you need to have contracts and all that. But to actually deliver the service, it starts with RMM. So let's talk real quick about Ninja. So what makes Ninja different from every other RMM on earth? Well, there's a couple things. And it kind of goes back to how I ended up at Ninja. I was working at a company called Axiant, formerly eFolder for several years, the backup company. And um, we actually had one of Sal's tools. Sal is the CEO of Ninja. We had one of their tools, Anchor, which we had bought from Sal. And uh, I was really impressed with it. And when time came for me to kind of go do something else, I wanted to go work at Ninja for a few reasons. I wanted to go work at Ninja for a few reasons. The primary reason being that Ninja had a great reputation in the channel. 
they had a tool that was very well thought out, very easy to use. And they didn't have a bunch of bolt-on tools. They hadn't taken a bunch of tools and tried to buy them from other providers and make them, they make all their own tools in-house. And it looked like a good ecosystem to be a part of. I felt like it was, it was built of an entrepreneur who'd been multiple successes in the channel with tools. I felt like they were going in the right direction with the MSP channel. And I felt like the ease of use of the tool was there and the support was there. And I liked the model for how they sold it a month to month, no long-term contracts. So all of that brought me in because I also was, was doing what you're talking about. I was looking at the importance of RMM in running MSPs. And I remembered how much it did for my business. And I wanted to kind of spread the word and be a part of that because I think that it's something that many MSPs don't think about as they're getting their MSP going. And then years down the road, they end up with these tools like an RMM or PSA or other tools. And they find out they maybe haven't been using them like they should have. Well, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that I have been a little frustrated on recently is how much people are still asking the question after, you know, it's almost 20 years now. What are you using for RMM? What are you using for PSA? I see this discussion absolutely nonstop on all the forums on Reddit and Facebook and everywhere. If you get three MSPs together, somebody's going to ask, what are you using for tools? And the reason I'm frustrated by it is it's such a small expense, right? And so the question is, does it matter whether I use Ninja or some other tool, right? It's, it's whatever. It's, yeah. it's literally the smallest expense of what makes me an MSP, right? One technician costs way more than all of the Ninja I would deploy in a month. It, that's a great way to put it. And RMM, I got RMM in 2008. And I first had Kaseya for a short while. And then as I was on ConnectWise, I moved over to Automate. This is, I want to point out for everyone listening, this is before Ninja was even around. But what was interesting about it was I looked at these tools and I started looking at what they were claiming the capabilities were when you started setting up some of the automations based on the ability to script out things. And I had a couple of technicians that were excellent at, at writing scripts. And we had lots of little batch files and scripts we were running on machines related to backups or cleaning up disk drives, a, a, a assortment of things. And I looked at it and I said, okay, I can take those same scripts that we're having to manually deploy on machines and use like a you know, Windows scheduler to run and different things like that. And I can have this RMM and do them. And I can have it do the patching and I can have it do all these things that technicians are doing after hours. And if I do that, then I don't have to hire this other technician I've been thinking about hiring. That's kind of what you're getting right, right? Yeah. Well, and uh, also let's just talk about scripting. So what I'm core, the core thing I'm interested in is why Ninja versus somebody else so let's talk about your scripting. Where does that fall in the in the, the big picture of things? Would you say it's a primary feature or a yeah, second? Yeah, well, I mean, I my understanding is that at Ninja we have more scripts out of the box than any other RMM provider. 
We also have some really great resources. We have some contests and people involved in our community at Ninja that write scripts for us. So there's a great many more that we make available. So it's kind of an ecosystem of scripts. And this is very important because, and I take this into account and I wrote an article back in January, it's on channel E2E and it's about monetizing RMM. And it goes back to my story about how rather than hire a technician, I bought an RMM tool and, and set up as many automations as possible. I looked at anything I could do in terms of onboarding a new employee, bringing a new computer and, and joining to the network and putting all the software on it, disk cleanups, you know, defrags, updates, you know, checking, pinging IP addresses, checking RAID controllers, all these things, anything I could automate, I did. And my idea was, and you, you spoke of this before, this shouldn't be some number like one technician to every 75 users. It should be like one technician to every 500 endpoints or something exactly. like that. Exactly. And, and uh, you know, I've had people literally stand up in a meeting and say, that's bullshit. And, and all I can say is they have very manual processes, right? <laughs> that that if, if you can't have one technician per 500 desktops, you're doing something wrong. And uh, it's, it's really not that difficult of a nut to crack. Um, but it also means that you have to rely on scripts. You have to believe that you can script it and that you can check your work and that, you know, you you know, you, you say you're going to go install this stuff across all these machines. All right, let's verify that that happened. Um, so you, you have to follow up on what you do, but you absolutely can automate the system. It seems weird that there's resistance to that in an industry based on technology. I mean, we are technology. There's nothing not technology about the managed service business. Um, and yet people resist automating things. It seems a little odd to me. Yeah, I've been on some of these calls before where, where I tell people they can do all these things and there's a level of disbelief. And then there's sometimes a feeling like, wow, I don't want the tool to replace me. And you have to explain to people that you still, first of all, you still have to be very active with the tool. You have to go in there and program and do all these things and you have to check its work afterwards. You have to make sure the patches were installed. You have to make sure the script actually ran. You have to make sure that if you have a script that's rebooting um, a SQL server once every two weeks on Friday night, you need to make sure that there it, it is then creating a ticket, updating the ticket and make sure it comes back online. And the first couple of times it does it, you need to make sure it actually worked and all the services came back up and started. The point being that there is still a human involved. What you're doing is you're shifting the human involvement element from here where it's logging into every server and doing that reboot once per week and all the time it takes to log into say a hundred servers to taking the hours to program and get the script and test it deploy it and make sure it runs over here and then all of a sudden you're just checking it on on the beginning and the end and follow up but it's doing a hundred servers at once and so you've just economized your time but the technician is still just as important as he was before yeah i've actually heard people say the words, I will never buy an RMM because then I will lose money because nothing will go wrong. Things will stop breaking. My clients will be up all the time and they won't need me. And all I can think of is you're in the wrong business, yeah. right? You, you need to go, you know, be a trunk slammer and, and chase ambulances or whatever, but 
you know, get out of this industry because you're giving us a bad name. So you're um, not you're not building your time effectively. You do that. But I have this theory, Carl, and I don't know if I picked up from you. I have this theory that as managed service agreements age, they should become more profitable. Absolutely. And and yeah, I probably picked up from, from your teachings because my view on it is is if, if I go in to a network and I get it in tip top shape and I put the right hardware in, I can figure everything well, I get it all cleaned up and I automate as many things as I can on the network with the RMM, that what happens is my most expensive cost, which is technician hours, that reduces. And as that reduces, the overhead reduces and the profitability of that agreement goes up. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. The single most important thing that we do is sign long-term contracts because almost all the work is done in the first three months when we're getting them up to spec and tuning everything up because the amount of labor required literally just drops to almost nothing. Um, And what's really fun, and I I don't know where people don't get this, is uh, to think about how far you can stretch what you can support. I, the first time, and this was like 2003, 2004, first time I bought an an RMM tool and realized that I could manage a hundred servers all by myself, just with one tool, it changed my business forever. And uh, I think that people need to embrace it. It seems odd that we still have people resisting RMM. Um, So let's give your website before we change topics. Make sure people oh, know how to get a hold of you. Well, yeah, there's a ninjarmm.com. And if they want to reach me directly about any other matters, it's mspgo.com. Which ah, very I, good. I, I'm not an MSP, but I do some MSP consulting on the side and help people out with particular situations. It's not all about RMM, but I'm willing to talk about it as well. Very cool. Uh, well, the other thing that we want to talk about is just what do you see, you know, where, where we are right now in history? What do you what do you look forward to for the rest of 2021 and, and the years ahead? Uh, do you have a vision of like where you think we're going to be in six months or by the end of the year? Well, I, I look at this and I see definitely I, I look at this executive order by President Biden last week and I see that's just the beginning. We have some states like Louisiana get on top of this, but we know there's been a long time coming for some level of regulation and licensing in IT service providers. And I think it is warranted and needed, especially in light of security. And what I see happening is the very serious MSPs who want to be in business and doing this right, they are accepting that they have a high level of responsibility for a client's security whether or not they call themselves a security provider. If they are managing and administering the machines on a client's network, they are inherently responsible for security at a high level. And I think that's going to start to weed out who is really serious and can provide that level of security, that level of support, and who isn't. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, I just think we're in an interesting era where there are people who might not be able to afford IT services going forward, given the insurance and the regulation and all that that drives up the cost of IT services. Um, but clearly, we're in the middle of this, whether we want to be or not, right? We have to uh, take care of the ransomware. We have to prepare for it. We have to have an appropriate response. And, you know, clients can legitimately say, 
wait a minute, I hired you to take care of this. So why am I in this situation? And the truth is, if we didn't see it coming, and we didn't prepare them and we didn't do what we need to do, that's on us as an industry, in my opinion. It is on us. And it's it looks daunting at some level, but I got to tell you, I, I am in the process of helping an MSP with this right now. It's actually a really interesting story because it's a, a 30-year-old telecom company that sells broadband and VoIP solutions and data lines. And we are, we are making them into an MSP. And uh, it's great to go through this process because we are, we are, I'm, I'm building the entire managed services offering around the idea that security is now an inherent component and he is res they're responsible for it no matter what. But I'm also doing something interesting too. I'm breaking out that security offering into its own standalone offering that can be sold on its own as a co-managed IT offering as well. And I, in doing that, it, it gives a really great lesson because it's like, what do you need to have to sell a standalone security offering? What, what does that need to include? What are the kind of conditions underneath? What are the promises given to the client? And what does that look from beginning to end? And it, it's been a great lesson for me in learning what you have to deliver and what the client expects. Yeah, and we have to take seriously the fact that the client doesn't understand what we do. I mean, my example is always insurance, right? When I get my insurance and it's this, you know, three quarter inch thick pile of papers, I look through it and I see words like liability and, you know, whatever. And I'm not entirely sure what I'm buying, but I trust my insurance guy, right? That he's selling me the right thing and that I need to pay this much money and that things are going to be okay. That's kind of what clients are doing with us because even if they're really smart and very technical, they do not understand what we do for a living. They don't understand how ransomware works. They don't know how bad guys get in. You know, but they will hold us responsible. And so we we have a responsibility to sell the right thing. Um, and my point was only that there might be clients who can't afford the right thing. And I don't know what we do with that. It, that is, you know, that's a really tough one. And that's, I'm helping this MSP out. And I'm talking to them a lot about that. And they, they brought that up. Well, I don't think some of our clients can afford these things. And I said, you're, you're going to have to, if you're a provider, you're going to have to be very careful about who you choose as clients. And you probably should be anyways, because it, most MSCs make this mistake, especially early on. They take on anyone who will cut them a check. Right. And that does not work out the best. You're actually much better off just having a few very well-funded clients who understand the importance of security and who have the money for it and are willing to pay for it. And you provide that higher level of service because my first belief is this, Carl, is that you shouldn't have two different security offerings if you have an MSP. You should have one security offering and it's either take it or leave it. Well, the other way to do it would be to say there, there are three tiers. You don't have any choice on how much security you have. You only yeah. have a choice on how much is included for a flat fee <laughs> and how much you get billed for every month. But you know, it's like you move the slider to where you're comfortable, but you can't choose the program that's got a $39 router and uh, you know, no antivirus, no spam filtering, and no BDR. So, right. um, yeah, it's it is a very different world. The other thing is, do you think our industry is or should be moving to, towards being more professional and more certified? 
I, I'm a big believer in that. You know, I, I've looked at it for years and, and thought it's amazing that if I want to have plumbing work done on my house or electrical work, I got to like, you know, I got to get someone who's licensed and they often have to pull permits for that work, but that I can hang my shingle out and go out there and work on someone's computers and do massive damage to a business. And there's no governing body or licensing or anything or reporting. And now we're starting to see some of that. I, it, I'm a big believer that it needs to happen. What's going to be unfortunate about it, it's definitely going to knock down quite a few that can't meet the standard. But I think that in light of what's going on with security, it's a necessary thing. Right. Well, and it's, you know, in some ways, it's, it's like the evolution of anything else. There was a time when what we did was simple. <laughs> there yeah. was a time when the amount of damage that could be done by a virus was Oh no, it, it took out a monitor or it took out, you know, back in the super early days, it took out hardware, then it moved to software, um, but we could always get it back. Now, you know, a lot of this stuff is like, you either pay the ransom or you have a BDR. And I still don't understand people who don't have a, a way to get their clients back in business. I, to me, that is literally job number one. That's where being an IT service provider starts. You're absolutely right. And I tell every everyone I talk to the MSP side, back up your client's critical data at least two ways, if not three. And one of those backups should be a BDR appliance with a vaulting feature. Because the vaulting feature is going to take that what is actively backed up data and put it somewhere where it's now offline and encrypted. What that does is if there is some kind of breach and there's something making its way around the data, if that's sitting over here, siloed off and vaulted, you always have that one to go back to. And then you can rely on other backups if you need to. But as you said, the BDR appliance and additional backups are, the, are what you have to do these days. And it's changed so much. I remember viruses, the worst ones I would ever see like back 20 years ago were the ones that would infect HP printers and make them print out all kinds of right, characters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, they were fun. Or they make right. things bounce around your desktop. And now they are ruthless and they're money generating for others. And so you, you have to protect yourself. And it, it, is, it is on you as the MSP owner to have responsibility, but don't shy away from it because there is great opportunity to provide great business services and make a lot of money out of doing this for clients. Well, and the other thing is, and this is where I think the, the rest of the year is, is a super opportunity for our industry is to actually sit down with clients and plan the future to say, look, every time there's another thing like the colonial pipeline or whatever, the story of the week, that's an opportunity to sit down with your clients and say, okay, let's make sure you're never on the front page of the newspaper. <laughs> let's, let's get you a plan, figure out how you're getting back to the office, what the, what the uh, you know, process is and what your technology is going to look like next year and the year after. And, I just think we need to have a conversation, a never-ending conversation at that level. Instead of sometimes I think people in this industry see each other as uh, people who fulfill tasks that clients have asked us to do. And that is, to me, not the role of a managed service provider. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, on the managed service provider end, the way I look at it is first, have a quality RMM. Not because I work for an RMM company, because RMM allows you access to the machines and it gives you control of many of the tools you're going to be using. Have adequate endpoint antivirus protection, have good threat protection SOC services aligned with it, have quality, high quality router, 
high quality backup, backing up the data at least two ways, have an incident response plan. So you have some and have someone to call if there is an incident and do some testing on it yourself and run through some mock situations a couple times a year. And you start adding these things up. And I know I've just kind of short played that. You add these things up and you can very quickly come up with a good plan that you can present to clients that's going to keep them protected. Absolutely. And, you know, you sell your services based on security. You know, let's, let's do it right the first time and then we don't have to run around fixing stuff. So we're almost out of time, but I did want to ask you uh, kind of back to Ninja specifically, uh, are you getting out? Is, uh, is, are you opening up? Are you planning to attend 100 uh, events between now and the end of the year? <laughs> what does it look like for you? Well, I'm pretty sure we will be out there in the field coming this fall for some of the bigger events. I am, my role as channel chief advisor is kind of a company evangelist. And I very much hope to see people out there in the field. I think we'll probably do some breakouts and speaking opportunities. And just know this, I, I come from the MSP side. I'm one of you and I'm here to help. And I'm I, a lot of the assistance we give, my role at Ninja is fantastic because I can basically help anyone with their questions and answer things. We create a lot of content for MSPs and it's all free. So do you do some uh, like value add stuff that, you know, hey, can you help us with a certain program or a certain problem that we've got? If it gets really specific, then I do at times take on some clients on the side through my into the MSP Go. Very cool. All right. So ninjarmm.com is the website. Uh, and uh, any other final comments before we go? I uh, just want to thank you again, Carl. Your teachings over the years have meant a lot to me and have a lot to do with me now having been a successful MSP owner and exited and now sitting on the vendor side in a job I like very much. Well, I got to say, one of the most important things in the entire world is you got to have a job that you like. So I'm glad you do. All righty. Uh, Tom right. Watson from uh, Ninja RMM, thank you for joining us today. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.